0: Welcome back to Silverlight TV. I'm John Papa, and this is Jesse Liberty, return guest. John. How are you doing? Good to be here. Very good to see you again. We've done several episodes together, but we, we were talking, we've never discussed reactive extensions. No. And I'm very excited to be talking about reactive extensions. You look very excited. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, I can
1: plug my book coming out from A Press on Reactive Extensions and Link. That's right. From A Press. Did I mention that?
0: My no, no, where, where was that <laughs> book? <coming from? laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is good, because well, Reactive Extensions, I mean, it, it kind of flows with the whole Silverlight TV theme, because you can do it with there Silverlight, you. you can use it with WPF, you can use it with... You can use it with uh, Windows Phone. Windows Phone. And there's even a JavaScript
1: version of Reactive Extensions, which is shockingly similar to the syntax that you
0: become comfortable with with C Sharp. Really? So it's really... I haven't seen that. It's very nice. Interesting. And Windows Phone something that, while you've been a Silverlight guy for a long time, you've been kind of... Doing more server, uh, Windows Phone lately, haven't you? Yes, I've been doing more Windows Phone, and by the time
1: you broadcast this, I will be in the Windows Phone group. Wow, which is very exciting. That's cool. So That's I very will be cool. very focused on Windows Phone and, and some other things. We'll I mean, I like to, to keep a look at the full
0: <laughs> stack of Microsoft products. But uh... okay, well, in today's episode, we wanted to talk about a couple things. First, you know, what are reactive extensions? What do you need to do to set them up? Uh, and before you get into them. What do you need to know before you actually start using them? Kind of right. like what technology exactly. would be kind of key to catch up on? And then why do you want to use them? What do they look like? Well, so let's it's really start with like that. Let's
1: start with that. Why do you want to use them? Which is that reactive extensions are an extension to the link framework, mm. and their goal is to make multitasking much simpler, much more maintainable. Now, you know that there's the TPL, and there's a number of things coming for asynchronous programming. Reactive right. extensions is a whole framework that supports asynchronous programming. And we're going to look very quickly at a couple pieces of it where you get a hint of how much you can simplify. The problem you have when you're showing reactive extensions is that anything complex enough to really show the effect yeah, yeah. is too complex. So you sort of have to extrapolate from the So a simple example, example
0: either C-sharp, and, and I guess now that you're saying JavaScript, too, but in C-sharp, you often will have some kind of a function which has a callback. It's asynchronous. It's yes. got so some kind of a, sorry, not a callback, but a completed handler, maybe, or a callback. Yes. In that case, you might have an anonymous function, and sometimes they get nested. We they have two yes. or three anonymous functions, they sync handlers or in a they row. chain. That's right. And it, and it gets hard to read and debug. Yes. So React extensions can help make that a little cleaner to read and maintain. Much cleaner,
1: and can move, can collapse a number of different methods that one is calling the other
0: asynchronously, and collapse that into a single method. In fact, we're going to look at that. I always thought we should call these things proactive extensions, because Reactor sounds like you're being lazy. I like that proactive so. extensions. Anyway, That's I'll really let you good. go ahead and show us what we got. So
1: we have a couple slides. Very. Quickly and forgive me for that. There demo. you go, no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Start right there. The the basic background that you need for this and the place where people really struggle a bit mm-hmm. when they're getting their heads around link, let alone the active extension, is the step by step from delegates to anonymous delegates to lambda expressions. So let me walk right. you through that really, really quickly. It starts with a delegate. A delegate is just an object that holds or encapsulates another function, a member it's function. It's kind of like the, the blueprint for a function. Exactly. Now, if you're an old C++ guy, it's appointed to a member function turned into an object. right? Sure. But that's, those are the old days. And so now we're looking at. We're old enough to remember this. That's, <laughs> so now we're looking at these delegates. And you can see here I've declared a delegate in red called shaper. And the signature is that it takes an integer, mm-hmm. and its return value is of type string. Now at the bottom, I've got a method, a static method, shape, and it meets that signature and that return value. Yep. So I can use my delegate, which I do on the first line of main. I say set shaper, make an instance of shaper s, set it equal to that shape method. And now I can use s just as if I had that method. So I can call through s passing in an integer, because we know it takes so an integer. So
0: shaper is a type in this
1: case. It's essentially a Type exactly right. it 's going to hold that that method, okay, so now we have that delegate now notice that you're calling essentially calling out to that method. you can also write that method in line and when you do that you don't have to give it a name and so that's called an anonymous delegate and right. you can see here we've taken the body of that delegate and put it right into place, shaper
0: s equal delegate of into x. Could you flip back real quick to the last previous slide? absolutely. Slides? Just to point that out. So at the top, basically what we're showing in the red, you got public delegate, string, shaper, int x. If you flip to the next slide with the anonymous, you've really removed a lot of that code right. by doing it anonymously.
1: And so that's correct. And sometimes that can make your code simpler, and sometimes it's simply necessary for the the syntax of what you're trying to do. It's an inline
0: delegate, basically. It's anonymous. Now,
1: once you have that, once you have your anonymous delegate, then transitioning that to a lambda expression becomes much simpler. You're really, if you compare these two slides, the only thing that's changing is delegate of x to x goes to. Right. So let's take a quick look at what that looks
0: funnier. It, it does look a lot for us, too. That's
1: right. So, what I did is I put together a slide that shows how you build that. All of the stuff that's in black on the right mm-hmm. side is identical to what's in black on the left. Okay. Now we look at those two parameters, int a and int b, in the call to private string add. Mm-hmm. That becomes the beginning of your lambda expression, just the two parameters. Notice there's no type, that's going to be inferred. So you
0: still need the parentheses for your parameters mm-hmm. and you're saying A and B. You don't need the type because they're inferred by the generics on the exactly. function. The exactly. Okay.
1: And then that equal sign arrow that's one operator usually pronounced goes to goes to. I mean, yeah. I never knew what that was called. And you sort of need to know what it's called because when you say it in your head you want to be able to read it out loud and you don't want to be saying equal My greater. daughter
0: uses that when she texts. She it like a smiley face. So Aha. that's what I've been well, calling it. Well, now you can it.
1: tell her it's a goes to. We Not the a smiley, smiley face. face. <laughs> I like a, b, smiley face. Okay, and then if you notice in red we've got the return type, a plus b to string. Mm-hmm. That becomes what follows on the goes to. So we just put that right beneath that. But there's
0: no return. And there's no return statement. That's your entire lambda statement. So, so it's so, implicit that this is going to have a return because it's a function. It's exactly. A func.
1: So when you see a lambda statement, when you see you what's know, in parens, that's essentially going to be your parameters, mm-hmm. goes to, and that's going to be your return statement. And that can be a block. You can put that in braces and have Yeah, you can a put the squiggly
0: of, braces and have multiple things exactly. going on.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that's the basic background. The second piece to know once you know that is how Reactive extensions relates to link. And the key element in link is I enumerable. Right. You're working with Enumerable collections. The corresponding collection in reactive extensions is observable. And my co-author Paul Betts refers to enumerable as a collection and observable is a future collection that is it's a collection of things that may not be there yet Mm -hmm. that could be streaming in conceivably over the web from a web service or whatever Mm -hmm. and you're going to use the observer pattern to keep an eye on that collection and react as things arrive and so you subscribe to that observable Okay. so
0: that's the essence of where reactive extensions extends link and then just to sum up what we've gone through quickly here the reason we're getting into lambdas and delegates and anonymous functions because you use a lot of those when you're doing these um, asynchronous programming patterns yes
1: and and in fact you use a lot of all of this in link and reactive really before tackling reactive extensions, you want to feel fairly comfortable with link. And you want yeah. to at least feel comfortable with the basic
0: operators of link and link to objects. And we're not talking, of, yeah, we're talking link to objects, not linked to SQL or link nope. to any framework, we're talking link itself. That's correct.
1: If, if you're comfortable with link to objects, then moving to reactive extensions is one hurdle, which
0: is getting your head around this asynchronicity. I've also found that uh, if you're not comfortable with the anonymous functions and the 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 lambdas, if you use tools like uh, resharper or use code rush, mm-hmm. there, they have features in there where you can convert from Lambda to function and back and forth. Yes. So you can actually see what would this look like as a Lambda, what would it look like as a delegate.
1: Yes, and another tool that is extremely helpful is Joseph Albahari who is from Microsoft created LinkPad. We're going we're to actually yes. use LinkPad for a couple minutes to look okay. at some very simple reactive extensions. So this is LinkPad, and you can use Link in here. You can also use Reactive Extensions in here by adding to the libraries, just adding the Reactive Extension libraries in. And I should say, the Reactive Extension libraries come cooked into Windows Phone. But you can also get them off of CodePlex. We'll put up the link. And you can also load them, if you're using Visual Studio, through NuGet into your particular project. Right. So what we have here is the simplest way to fill an observable collection is with the return operator, and that just returns one value. Okay. And then dump is essentially console write line for link pad. Okay. And here I have the second simplest which is a range of one to ten. And so we've got input. Now if you look at the type of input, it's a little small to see. It's an observable collection. A key insight that Paul Bett said to me, I'm going to be quoting him a lot because he's, he's my guy on Reactive Extensions, sure. he knows it inside out, is that innumerables create enumerables in Link. You mm-hmm. start with an enumerable collection, you modify it in some way, you end up with another innumerable collection. In Reactive Extensions, you start with an observable collection, you modify it in some way, you select from it, you filter you adjust it, you order it, and you end up with another observable collection. So okay. here what we're doing is we're saying to the observable range of 1 to 10, give me that collection that's 1 to 10, put that into input2 and, d- and then call dump. When I run this, it's, it's a little small and I can't make it larger on the bottom. Should execute instantly. There we go. We get 42 from the first one and the range 1 through 10 on the second Okay. One. okay let's open up a slightly more
0: complex one. So first we were just creating lists of values. Exactly. Exactly, and dump means show me the values, <laughs> right? Just
1: show me what's in your right collection. Line. Exactly. So, for example, we can take let's open this one very quickly. We can take a uh, range, and then pass that to other operators, and. This is going to open really fast. There we go. This is where we get to call it by Boston State. So we've got this computer. fake data. So we've range got this data ten. range of 1 to 10. And we're calling the sum operator on it. Okay. And what that does is it takes each of those numbers 1 to 10 and just sums them. And it does not return until the observable collection sends it on completed, which it will do at the end of range 1 to 10. Okay. And we're going to subscribe to that. And notice we use a lambda expression here so we can say, OK, here's x, which is our input parameter. And since we only have one, we don't need the uh, the parentheses on this. Right. And that goes to console. Right line. The sum is, and we're just going to pass in X for the for the value of the sum is. So when we pass that into Rx, where it's going to sum one through
0: ten, and we get 55 as it, you would expect. And just to be clear, we'll talk, let's talk about sum and subscribe for a minute. What sum is doing are either one of these asynchronous operations. No, sum is um, is.
1: An operator that you can call in link mm-hmm. on an enumerable, or right. in reactive expressions, you can call it on a observable Not collection, observable. and subscribe says, "I want to subscribe to this observable, and I want to be notified anytime anything is added to or changed in that observable." Anything in that, observable. that
0: observable, it's going to exactly now. what happens or that the sum that.
1: operator. Is taking all of those values and aggregating them before it returns, and so subscribe is only getting one value back. Right, right. Uh, let's jump ahead. You were talking a b- before about using reactive extensions for asynchronous programming, and what I have is a side-by-side comparison between how you might do um, synchronous and asynchronous programming in talking to the Bing Translator service. Okay. And you asked me before, did I need internet connection? And I said no, but I was wrong. (laughs) So so we're not going to run this because we don't have internet connection, but I'm going to show you how how this basically works. Sounds good. This is going out to the Bing translator service. And we have a service reference here to the Bing service. I have an API ID. The way Bing works is that you just apply for an ID. It gives you this uh, essentially a GUID. That you then pass to them, and it identifies right. you. And then I have a button that says "Translate." And let's let's uh, look at the UI on this guy very quickly.
0: And that translates going to go off call to Bing Service get the information and come back asynchronously. Exactly. And what happens is
1: that you put in a phrase here, you click translate, and we get back asynchronously. We get back the result. We're just doing a search. Exactly. And that's always asynchronous when you're working with Bing. um, Or it's typically asynchronous if you're on the phone. It must be asynchronous because you can't block. And so, what it wants is you create a language service client and you call begin translate. Now, that begin word is is a key to tell you that that's asynchronous.
0: Right. Right. And the client. As you suggested, is is the proxy that says I'm going to go out to this? Yeah, the key. Client. Most asynchronous services either begin with the word begin with their method, or they have async at the end of the exactly. as a suffix.
1: So you pass in your app ID, you pass in the input text. So let's say we put in "Hello, John." Mm-hmm. You pass in the language you're starting with, which in this case is U.S. English. You pass in the language you want to translate to. In this case, this is um, Spanish from Spain. Right. And then you pass in a couple. These are always the same text plane in general. These are um, uh, parameters for the Magic Bing translation screens, yeah. service exactly. <laughs> and then you call, you pass in a delegate to say who to call when the translation is completed and in this case we're saying call the async
0: callback translation completed. Now you could, taking one step back to compare that new async callback line there, that could have been a formal delegate declaration like you showed earlier. Exactly, but here we're just using it inline and then in translation callback you're going to
1: get your results and you're going to call end translate passing in Mm -hmm. the cookie that it passes you the iasync result that it passes you and then you'll have the Results which you then have to uh, marshal onto the dispatcher thread, that is to say, onto the UI thread, yep. which you do by calling begin invoke. You pass that a, uh, another delegate, in this case, an action. An action is a special delegate that has
0: a void return type. So I'm not familiar with this particular service. When the translation has been completed, it comes into here after the asynchronous callback. And then what is the client.ntranslate doing? What what it's doing is it's passing back this iAsync result that was given to us
1: mm-hmm. as, as part of the callback. And that is going to give you back the string, the translated string. Gotcha. And now we're just displaying that translated okay. string. And that's what I was talking about, putting it back on the UI thread so that we can assign yeah. to output text the translated dispatcher string.
0: dispatcher is not, yeah, that's just the local dispatcher object. Exactly. Now what you need to
1: imagine, we have two methods here. You need to imagine that you could have four, six, eight methods if you have asyncs calling in their callbacks, calling other you
0: could do that, especially if you're going out, first got to get one value before you get another, before you get another. Absolutely. Changing is very common. That's very good. common.
1: So the um, alternative, which I'll show you, is to do this with Rx rather than what I just did, which is the traditional way.
0: We also could, if you could just show the coder a second, sure. between this and Rx is another popular option too that I've seen a lot, is instead of having the trans- translation completed, to do the inline anonymous function inside of the, uh, where we yes, say, new you async could do, callback. Where,
1: Yes, you could do that inline, absolutely,
0: but if you're doing chaining that gets nested you very evil. You get inline evil. with inline with inline, yes. and, that's where and that's where it looks like JavaScript code a lot of times, where you've got seven yes. async <laughs> calls in a row. And, and just gets harder and harder to maintain. It does. So I'm going to
1: take a couple seconds, actually, I should have thought of this, and open up Visual Studio a second iteration of Visual Studio so that we can look at side-by-side the RX and the non-RX version. And let's not blame Visual Studio for this, the uh, the hard drive on this laptop is a little bit slow, so spinning that up can take a couple seconds. Uh, But what I want to do is open up uh, another version of this same program that was written with RX, and what you'll see is that that's collapsed into a single method and that the line of execution even though it 's asynchronous is much more linear and therefore much easier to understand and I may just uh, let that cook and open it up in hear me well,
0: yeah, or you could just open just the file if you wanted to, so oh, we could just, do that yeah. as well all right so here 's the Rx version of this.
1: I think we played with some code it 's okay we'll let that go we 'll open up the solution I 'm merely ta- uh, taxing things here. Okay, so we have the exact same UI. Mm -hmm. And so it has the input and the button. However, the button handler looks a little bit different now. So let's come down below the app ID. And here's the translate click. And what you do with the from async pattern, this is a operator on observable, Mm -hmm. is you say, go out and get the asynchronous pattern that, that the asynchronous call used, and we're going to create a observable out of that, okay. so we know that we passed in all those strings, in fact we passed in 8 strings and we got back a string. So we're going to pass in here, one, two, three, four, five, six, I guess we pass in six strings and a return, Okay. Okay, because that's what we show here. So
0: that's six parameters, and the last one's the and return value. And the last one's value. the
1: return value, okay. exactly. And that's what you put in the angle brackets. Mm-hmm. And then you pass in, in the parameters, the names of the be- the begin and end right. asynchronous calls. So begin translate and end translate. It will create for you. And that could be this- your
0: async or async completed if you're using the other path. Exactly.
1: Okay. And it will create for you an observable function, translate func. And if we look at the type of translate func, it says it's delegate right, of a function that takes five input strings and an output string called t result. Yeah and this doesn't actually fire it off. This is just creating that delegate Correct. for it. Correct. It just declares it. Then we're able to use that. Here's our translate func. We say result equal translate func and we pass in the same strings we passed mm-hmm. in before. But now This var result is an I observable. So we can just subscribe to that and get our results. And notice there's no second method. There's no place to go. There's no uh, functions within functions. It's very, very linear here. So we have completely flattened this out, made this much easier to maintain. Now, in a small method like this, the differences are not profound. But when you get to 3, 4, change, oh, sure. or, or you know, uh, calls within calls. And just
0: breaking that down, we've got observe on dispatcher, which I'm assuming means you're going to observe. But it's an option to observe on the dispatcher thread. So you can go back to the UI thread. Exactly. And then you're going to subscribe to it. This basically means listen for any changes that have been invoked here. And then we're using uh, passing an x for a parameter. And we're setting the output text, which I assume is the name of the uh, text box on exactly. your screen. Exactly. OK. Well, uh, you're a reactive extensions programmer. I didn't even have to show up today, John. Wow, wow. I don't know. (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. I assume, And I I haven't used this. I assume under result there's an observe as well, that you don't have to observe on the dispatcher thread? You
1: you can observe on on any thread. Mm -hmm. And that's not a problem. The only time that you need
0: to marshal it back onto the dispatcher thread is if you want to go out to the UI. UI. That's correct. You happen to be doing that in this case, so you have to do that. Cool. That's much cleaner code. And if we could flip back, and I know we can't, but if we could flip back to the other code, what we eliminated completely was we basically did the same code here, but we eliminated that second function call that we had. The callback call. And there is a little bit of setup with the delegate. But it's actually it makes a lot of sense. I mean and most of your functions aren't going to have seven strings being passed in.
1: Right. And and you build that right out of the asynchronous call. So typically when you're doing this, rather than actually writing out the asynchronous call and then translating, what you're going to do is look at the signature for the asynchronous Mm -hmm. actually for the synchronous call. This takes the signature out of the synchronous call, and then you pass in the names of the asynchronous call. Right. And that is your declaration for your for your observable from async pattern
0: and then you can just call it. Now let's stretch this one step further because again you're the expert here I'll ask you let's say your asynchronous pattern has not only a async call and a completed handler but it also has a progress that can come back or error handling that can come back. Yes. Will this pattern also support being able to pass It will 10?
1: support both of those. Um, a key aspect in observable mm-hmm. is first of all as things are coming they're being subscribed to so you're going to get that at so you're going to get your progress indication as things are filling in that observable. Secondly, part of observable is that there are three potential results. You can get on next, which is each value. Mm -hmm. You can get on completed, which says I'm done now, and nothing can come after Mm -hmm. that. Or you can get on error. And typically, if whatever you're doing might throw an exception, you capture that, and then you return on error and handle that error. That's great. So it makes it very easy to manage that.
0: That's nice. I appreciate that. And I want to put a quick call out to uh, Jim Woolley. has a nice video on Rx at uh, Mix 11. He did a session. Yes, he was, it was up an Excellent session well. at Mix, yes. So, Hey, Jesse, thanks for coming on with this. And we'll put Thank the links got. up to the downloads. And I look forward to reading your book. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you all for watching Silverlight TV. Bye-bye.